Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 506 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week is the return of Travis Horseman, the creator of Amiculous and Sugar Creek, two very different styles of writing that I really enjoyed. He's got a new book out, and I'm going to butcher it, I'm sure, but I pronounce it as In Noctum, and it's described this way. It's the story of Rome's final conquest and how it created the modern vampire. We talk about how the book came to be and how you can access it. Of course, it's suggested for mature readers, and it sells for $7. We catch up on what Travis is doing, and look a little bit ahead as to what he's got coming in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. As always, don't let my voice get in the way of what Travis is saying, because he's got a lot of great things to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show! It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Travis Horseman, creator of such wonderful things as Amiculous and Sugar Creek, which is a horror book that was really good. And you got a new Kickstarter going on and for a, another book. And, and I think it's best to let you pronounce it, Travis. How's it, what's it pronounced? Well, uh, let me start by saying thanks for uh, inviting me back on. Always a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Um also, I uh, also want to mention that this is a finished product. It's not a Kickstarter. Oh. And uh, the title is In Noctum, which mm. is, I mean, there are very various variations of what it means. But in Latin, uh, it is, I'm interpreting it as into darkness or into night, actually, is would be more appropriate. In Noctum. Okay. So what was, um, what's this book about? What's it dealing with? Well, this is uh, like Sugar Creek. It is a one-shot self-contained horror story. But this one uh, takes place uh, much like Amiculus did, set during the Roman Empire. But uh, the premise is that uh, in this book, it suggests that the the, particular Roman invasion was the thing that ended up creating completely by accident 
the modern vampire. And then it is unleashed upon them like a plague that they have to contain by then creating all of the tropes that we know about killing vampires from scratch before it consumes the world. Hmm. Is there any historical justification for this? Uh, not a bit, not even, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is what's so fun. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Uh, the, uh, the modern vampire is almost entirely a product of the middle ages. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a connection between, uh, vampires and antiquity, at least as we know it traditionally from, uh, from, you know, from sources. And the thing about this place that the Romans conquered, uh, it's, uh, th- this was, uh, the last major conquest that the Romans made, the place was called, it was the kingdom of Dacia, which some people may know as modern day Romania. And um, because, you know, you have those two things and how can anyone resist connecting the two, honestly? Mm-hmm. But I had to sort of knit together like the ancient world and the modern world a little bit by sort of creating my own lore here. So this is kind of like combining uh, Amiculus and Sugar Creek. You could um, see it that way. It's got the history of Amiculus set set during Rome with the horror of Sugar Creek. But mm. vampires are in this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you know, I always think vampires have, have run their course. And then something <laughs> comes along like this and it says, nope, there's still life in these undead things. <laughs> this is something that I have said about vampires that may sound derisive, but is honestly, I say it completely with love. I look at vampires kind of like the Build-A-Bears of monsters. As long as you have two basic elements, like they drink blood and they're undead, you can add whatever else you want. I mean, there are so many different facets and different cultures about vampires. I mean, you'd hardly think that one was related to the other. But, I mean, it's 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 probably the fact that they're vers- so versatile is what makes them so popular and that you can continually reinvent them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times they look like they're uh, young teenage boys, <laughs> which seems to get some people uh, interested. Yes, that's one version, yes. Yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> and, of course, uh, I'm always fascinated. You know, we're always interested in the undead, what happens after life. Yeah. And that kind of makes it – this book, I think, is really kind of fascinating. Uh, you made it available to me, so I got the chance to read it. It's really gripping. Thank you. Gosh, it just – you know – <laughs> the the things that happen in there, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but let's just say there's a lot of fire. <laughs> there there are a, a lot of a lot of death going on, and wow, the, the artwork is really interesting too. Uh, the, at the very beginning, there's this really neat picture of soldiers standing there, and one of the soldiers kind of turns his head towards us, and. <laughs> Let's just say that this must be one of the early vampires. That's the only thing I can figure. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the art uh, for this also is by my artist for Sugar Creek, Brent Bowman. And uh, I think it's some of the best stuff he's ever done. I He really just pulled out all the stops on this one. It's just phenomenal, like the epic scope that he is working at here. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious. I don't I don't want to spoil stuff, but I'm I'm. There's a character who looks blue except for yellow eyes. Hmm. Uh, is that something we shouldn't spoil? Blue except for yellow eyes. At the very beginning, there's the the very first page. He shows up on the oh. bottom, 
And he's got like a, a soldier, an outfit on, like a, like an yeah. armor. And this one guy is dying and he hands him a, a book. I don't think it spoils too much to say that he's hands some paper to write. Yes. Is that um, a character we can know about or is that something that, that we have to read the book to really get? Well, um, he is, uh, he is a major character in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. he is, um, it helps to know the history a little bit here. Uh, the, the, uh, when Rome conquered Dacia, the, uh, Dacians did not all, were, didn't all stick around to be vanquished. Some of them fled, uh, you know, across the mountains and created a place called Free Dacia. Uh, which would allow them to continue out of the grip of the Romans. And uh, in this, I, there, I have created a character, uh, Prince Belarus, who uh, I've fashioned as the leader of the Free Dacians, who is also leading um, uh, guerrilla attacks on the Romans uh, in, in their territory. So he's resisting. He is very much an enemy of the Romans. Hmm. So is he like a Miculus in the sense that he's kind of a he, – he's a something that moves the story forward? Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, he is uh, he is very critical to the plot. His, uh, his existence in this is central to it. Even mm-hmm. though he may not be the major character, he is the pivotal character in the book. Mm-hmm. So as far as, like, vampires and stuff go – is this the first instance as far as what you're saying is our vampires in history or are, are there ones before this? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, the ancient world had its own version of the vampire. Uh, I mean, just in uh, Greece and Rome, there was the Lamia, there was uh, the Strix, uh, which people might recognize if they ever read or watched the strain. Mm-hmm. Uh there was the uh, impusa, which was something like between a, a witch and a vampire. They had their own traditions of night creatures, mm-hmm. but the modern vampire in this scenario is completely different from those. It's a brand new thing that they have never seen before mm-hmm. that has risen out of that has risen out of Dacia because of something the Romans have done wrong. And oh. you, you, you find out exactly what that is. They step mm-hmm. really, really wrong when they conquer Dacia and mm-hmm. uh, the rise of this new night creature is the result of that. Hmm. Okay. And we get, we discover that in this book. Yes. Okay. Very good. Very good. Cause it's, it's really a gripping book. I have to say I was, it starts really interestingly where the the person has to write down what's going on. Yeah. And then it moves into the battles and things like that. And then mm-hmm. we, we, we find the, who the, the person who's in charge of Rome and uh, he's got some surprises coming for him. Yes, he does. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned the bit about writing. Um, uh, that was a, that was sort of a nod to Dracula. Uh, because mm-hmm. if you've ever read, uh, if you're familiar with Dracula, Dracula, as it is written by Bram Stoker, takes place as a series of correspondences. It's all done through letters and recordings. Uh, it's like you're reading people's letters mm-hmm. in Dracula. And mm-hmm. I sort of this uh, the thing that th- that's happening here is uh, Belarus is giving the main character, who is a uh, Roman soldier named Claudius, he's giving him. Uh, a tablet 
that he is telling him you need to write down everything that's happened mm-hmm. because they the Romans need to be warned. Mm-hmm. And the book, in a way, takes place as almost like a journal. It's like mm-hmm. Claudius's journal because it's mm-hmm. told through, uh, through in past tense through his eyes uh, in sort of a journalistic fashion. Mm. But I mean, there's there's lots of action and lots of uh, of of really great stuff happening in that. That's not to say it's a passive story by any means. Right. So this is this where the the term journalism comes from? From writing in a journal like this. Well, uh, if we're getting really nerdy about it, I can. Uh, the uh, The word journal comes from the Latin word diurnal, which mm-hmm. means daily. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. When you journal, you write on a daily basis. So, mm. yeah, that is kind of where that comes from, yes. Okay. All right. Because I'm curious because I, my major was journalism in college. And so I'm always interested when I hear the word journals and journalism, I always wonder, is there a link between the two of them? Uh, fun fact, uh, the uh, Julius Caesar is credited as being the guy who invented the newspaper because he had uh, people write on a daily basis uh, all about all of his conquests. Mm-hmm. And the name of that newspaper was called the Acta Diurna, which literally means daily news. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's amazing how much stuff comes from the Roman Empire uh, and spilled over into today. Yeah. It's always interesting. And I, I always am interested in the characters like what you're talking the the characters who are in there, who is the person that's in charge of Rome at this time? Well, it's actually in transition. And uh, at the moment that everything is taking place, uh, the old emperor Trajan has just died. And the new emperor Hadrian has just taken over for him. It's only been a matter of months that Hadrian has been emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trajan was the emperor who conquered Dacia. Trajan also conquered a slew of other places uh, before dying uh, while being while on campaign. And he's basically left this giant mess for Hadrian to basically put into order. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It's, it's, we, politicians still do that kind of stuff today. You know, Make messes for other people to clean up. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting to see. The, uh, what's really interesting is at the beginning, I don't want to spoil too much, but the way that the that we've talked about the fact there's a journal that comes, it gets delivered in an interesting fashion, mm-hmm. shall we say. And there's uh, it comes in something that lets you know something's bad has happened. Yeah, I would say so. Yes, I like that. That is, I was really like the great thing is is we don't find out everything until we get towards the end. That's what I really like. I, I, I always like the way that you write with mystery in mind. Yeah, that's how you, it's that little, you know, the, the, the little itch that you can't scratch is what keeps you turning pages, you know? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the way it starts out. It starts out with <laughs> stuff happening, and there, I, I'm not going to spoil how we know something bad is going on, but we know something bad is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's really nicely done too, because it, it, it uses a way that comics doesn't always do well. I think you do it very well, uh, talking about letting people know what's going on. And so I, I more than that, I'm not going to say because it's really something amazing. And gosh, see this whole thing of war and vampires and 
I'm always interested in, and I have to say the artwork is really stunning. How it, uh, a lot of blue, whenever there's, um, uh, let's say the vampires are running around, there's a lot of dark blue going on. Obviously it's at night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we find out a lot of things that are happening in the dark and hence the name of the book. And it's, God, it's just another color that's in there is red. Red's everywhere. There's lots and lots of blood Indeed. all over the place. <laughs> and of course, that's what vampires are good for. There's lots and lots of, uh, with blood and fire and all kinds of stuff going on. And there are, see, I, I can't spoil stuff, but there's, there's a couple of big surprises as we get towards the end of the story, which I really like. Uh, it has to do with gods and vampires and all this kind of good stuff. Yep. And man, it's, it's, <laughs> let's just say if I was there, I'd be running for the hills. <laughs> I am not going to be standing around the way that some of these people are. Well, you mentioned uh, maybe uh, maybe this would help put things into perspective a little bit without spoiling too much. You mentioned gods, mm-hmm. and um, that's one of the big things that uh, I focused on with this uh, because, you know, when we think of vampires – you know, uh, we think of them in the context of, like I said, they were the creations of the Middle Ages. They were almost set up as like the uh, the dark uh, antithesis to God and to Jesus. Like Christianity was the foe of vampires. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in this period, Christianity hasn't. It. I mean, we're still in a pagan period. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is set in 117 AD. I mean, paganism is still going strong. So how? without the context of Christianity, which is in its like formative stages, how would they, how would they view this? Mm-hmm. They would view these creatures, uh, they would view these creatures as supernatural, but they would view them as like children of the gods in a way, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. good ones by mm-hmm. any means. Mm-hmm. They would, they would see it like all of the different reasons for why say a vampire is hurt by fire or why it is burned and destroyed by the sun mm-hmm. or why, a, you know, a stake through the heart can kill it. All of that would be completely different from the reasons why we in, you know, uh, like brought up on the, you know, the, the, the Christian, uh, the, the Christian based fables of vampires, why that mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. So it's their understanding of why it's the same things. A lot of the same tropes, like I said, they're discovering, they're discovering what works and they're mm-hmm. the same things that we see working, but they see it for a different reason than we do. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. Some of the things in this book remind me of early Christianity. Yeah. Well, yeah. There were a couple of places where there's like a tomb and there's a rock rolled and they're talking about this person being a philosopher and stuff like that. And I thought, boy, I thought that is very reminiscent of how people probably looked at Christianity at that time. Well, um, I wasn't going for anything there, but I got to be honest, it's kind of hard to escape because mm-hmm. uh, mis- uh, what you're talking about, there were all, uh, Christianity started out as a, as a mystery religion, specifically mm-hmm. the mystery of the afterlife. Uh, that, and you know, the life after death, there were many, many, uh, cults and religions that were similar to that mystery cults that studied that exact same thing that asked those questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity, uh, either grew up in 
that uh, that environment and had a lot of the same aspects or took several aspects from some of these other cults for its own practices. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's really something because um, biblically, um, the if, if you look because I've read the Bible and I, I'm, I'm a little more familiar with that, there were supposedly uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk biblically here for a second that the the devil created religions that were similar to Christianity before Christianity helped or happens you know, as a way of distracting people. Hmm. From that. it's what biblically that's what some of the one of the things that was in there was said, and it's really interesting because I thought of that when I was reading this book, how there were all these different things going on, and it, it, you know since my my background tends to be you know, Christianity, and I thought of it, I kept uh, the way that you bumped into things, I was like, gosh, this reminds me so much of you know biblical things that happened, and then there were a lot of related. Uh, uh, religions and cults and things around that time. So it, it's fascinating to me when I was reading it because it, it's as always your stuff is, is has a lot of, of great history in it. Yeah, and I I really like that about this book. I really was like, wow. <laughs> and I could see how if you were a Roman, how you know Christianity and other religions and stuff like that going on at that time were probably sort of far out there as far as you were concern so i got a big kick reading this and seeing how all this stuff came to be and how and how it all weaves together into the story real well i really like that well thank you i mean i was not attempting i just want to be clear i wasn't attempting to editorialize about one religion over another here uh, mm-hmm. i was taking the what i said about in the book that it talks about the god of the dacians mm-hmm. uh and that's true actually uh i mean i'm I'm taking. I took a li- uh, the 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 bit about the the main god of the Dacians mm-hmm. being uh, a mystery god mm-hmm. who had once been a man. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is mm-hmm. actual uh, uh, Dacian mythology. It's even like written on by the Greeks. They talk mm-hmm. about this 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 figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a li- that that's an actual uh, historical fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I interpret. I interpret uh, his teachings and I interpreted, I, I interpreted what happened to him mm-hmm. from a slightly different angle, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, what if, you know, the way that they had always heard this was actually not exactly the way it actually happened. And what in fact, <laughs> if it was in a way that it had to be kept a secret, mm-hmm. I don't want to give away much more than that. Cause it's no, no. Yeah. But but yeah. it's really it's just a fascinating read. I just you know, uh because of my perspective on that, I I, I kept th- looking at it and thinking about it in, in those terms and I could I, I came away with the notion that maybe, you know, Roman culture kind of looked at all these different things as, as something unusual uh as far as <laughs> as far as their own perspective. Mm-hmm. And of course the way that the book ends <laughs> I you know I I have to say that it ended in such a way that it made me <laughs> I I the Romans and the way that the the Roman rulers and stuff like that I I'm sure that the supernatural stuff to them was something really I mean they had their own sets of gods and things like that but the interesting thing is that how anything that wasn't within their own pantheon they probably looked at was something looked askew at it, you know, that it wasn't really all that good until until they face what they do in this book. 
<laughs> Indeed. Really, really interesting. I really, gosh, I was really just so well written. I just thought that I was, you know, the, the, the way that things go and, and the way that things happened back in those days were probably, <laughs> it was probably something that they were not able to explain all that well. That's the way I come away with it. I mean, the, uh, you know, the Romans, like, they, they believed the gods existed. They believed that good and evil existed in physical form on the earth that, you know, fought and stalked each other. And, you know, they, they, they believed in that stuff. And Roman soldiers were particularly superstitious. Mm. So, um, I mean, they, 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 there would have been no doubt in, in their minds, uh, some of them, you know, that this was real from the start it would have mm -hmm. taken some others probably a little bit more time, but mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, the gods walked the earth to them, you know, mm -hmm. anything strange was related to something supernatural like that. Mm -hmm. Weren't the rulers to believed to be gods? Well, that was really more of a political thing. Mm -hmm. um, in, I mean, parts of the empire did have a custom of worshiping its rulers as gods. It was mm -hmm. kind of looked down upon uh, in the West, but in like the eastern part of the empire, uh, it was expected, which is kind of where that happened. I mean, you did have... It was a common thing that not every Roman emperor was deified when they died, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them were. The one I mentioned earlier, Trajan, he was deified upon his death. Uh, but it was seen more as like a badge of what an amazing uh, person he had been in life <laughs> than like really a place. It, it was a bit more political than it was actual religious, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because afterwards – you know, the, 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 I'm trying to remember the exact phrase for it. There was the, the Holy Empire and the, 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 how, oh, there's a term for it, the right of kings, that, mm -hmm. that the kings were a human manifestation of the gods. The divine and, right of kings? Yes, that's, that's what it was. And that came along after, yeah, you know, Charlemagne and other people like that, I think, were all, viewed upon that was how they maintained control was that how dare you go against a god you you mm. lowly mortal kind mm -hmm. of stuff and so that's you know i i what <laughs> i'm always entertained by that because i look at politicians today and there are people who look at politicians as a a higher class indeed a and as such, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I've, I've known, I've bumped into too many politicians, and I know that they're not godlike characters. They're uh, often many. Uh, they're, the farthest thing they are from is the god, and so mm -hmm. it's it's hard. And I think it's true of the Roman em emperors and stuff like that too. You know, in, today when you have to be a certain kind of person who likes to see your name and your face everywhere. Mm -hmm. Without being, I mean, you know, I I can't take that. I mm. if I saw my face all over in posters and my name all on billboards and stuff like that, I'd be I'd be taken aback. I wouldn't be interested in it. But but if you're a politician, especially today, you have to want that. You have to like that because that's how you get elected. Mm -hmm. And in those days too, I think that the the uh, emperors and stuff like that, a lot of them were considered. Uh, above the common man for that. And that, I think that, you know, Julius Caesar and all those people in the Roman Empire were considered, uh, you know, 
much higher than the average human. And, you know, it's just an interesting thing to me to see. Um, is that some of the stuff? But was that is that valid in the Roman Empire as much as I'm understanding it? Or is that something that uh, wasn't quite so much? You, you know the history better than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some people, I mean, it's hard to, looking at it from in the rearview mirror the way we are it's kind of hard to see i mean they had their detractors there were people who were like he puts on his he puts on his toga one leg at a time just like anyone else but uh <laughs> i mean uh you know they there were people i mean the, the i mean the imperial system eventually got to the point where um the the emperors distanced themselves from people you know at they started out as quote unquote men of the people. Well, at least uh, that was what the PR was. And then they became like these uh, distance rarefied individuals that uh, you, that it, it, it built up a cult around them of their perfection and invincibility that did make them more uh, deified in a way. Although ironically they were doing this more when this became more of a thing after the, uh, uh, Roman Empire was Christianized. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, uh, so against what you would think would happen, and yet it happened a lot. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I, I, you obviously enjoy the Roman history and that, that period of time, yeah. are there other stories you want to tell in the the Roman Empire? Uh, well, I mean. I don't want to become one note or anything here. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back from the, to this period because mm-hmm. it's inspired a lot of stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, I think the part with this story that's more interesting is not necessarily that the Roman stuff, but the perspective, it's a different perspective on something that we are very familiar with that I mm-hmm. think this new perspective that I'm putting it in makes it fresh. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the important thing about this, not like the time period. It's that mm-hmm. I am I, I like to think that I'm giving the vampire a new, fresh perspective with this that people can be like can rediscover it and re and and you know enjoy it from a whole new vantage point. Mm-hmm. See, what I enjoy about it is it's a time period that not many people really delve into. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be able to go back when in your writing and see this stuff going on and be able to look at that time period and see how how different people looked at things differently back at that time. Mm-hmm. Somehow we, we today we think that everybody always thought this way. <laughs> and I always get a kick because that's not, you know, it, we didn't always look this way. In fact, if you go back like a hundred, two hundred years, you see a very different mindset. Indeed. With a lot of things. And so to look at that this time period, and that's another thing I really enjoy about your writing too, is that you don't you don't put today's morality on that time period. I, I always get a kick when I see uh let's say the eighteen hundreds and the women are are they are as as they function today. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they're leaders, they're, they're, they're uh, big deals. And, and as such, you know, that was the way it, it's, it wasn't that way in those times. Although many women ran the household and did the, and, and were, you know, big deals in towns and stuff like that because yeah. the men were off 
you know, hunting and doing other stuff. So the women were the ones left to do it, which happened a lot in history over time. But yeah. the thing that get, that gets me is, is when I see somebody take today's morals and put them back t- 200, 300 uh, century and tell a story that is very much as if that happened today. I don't, I find that hard to relate to. Yeah. And I think your story, like we get a sense of how they would look at things in those days. And I got, I, I, the one thing that I really love about it was being able to, you know, see things. How could it have happened in those days? And that's what I think you do very well. You do a great job of showing us how this all could have taken place at that time. Well, I think it helps too, because I, I, I've said this before, but one of the reasons why I enjoy Roman history so much is because I feel like it's the ancient people. I feel like they're the ancient culture that is probably closest to our way of thinking uh, of uh, any ancient culture. Um, I mean, yeah, they're going to have wildly divergent uh morals in some cases but Mm -hmm. you might be surprised by what is similar Mm -hmm. between them you might be actually maybe appalled by some of the things that are similar (laughs) between our moralities and that's what i like about it you know Mm -hmm. i mean and uh i think that this is a pretty relatable story Mm -hmm. simply because i mean there are some really basic human things that just don't change between Mm -hmm. now and two thousand years ago you know Mm -hmm. If you focus on those, the rest is window dressing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really good. I mean, you, like I said, even though there were changes in society, human beings have largely been the same for centuries, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And it, it's fun to see, see, again, from the perspective of how they looked at it that at that time. So for me, I really love the book. I really enjoyed it. Now, the question I, I, I think people, if, if, if you're not doing a crowdfunding right now, how do people get a hold of this book? Well, uh, I am uh, doing, in just a few days, I'm doing a soft launch of the book at a, uh, a comic convention, uh, Three Rivers Comic Con in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, that's October 16th and 17th in uh, Pittsburgh. And then a week after that, uh, I am doing a debut signing in uh, my hometown, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and if everything goes well, I mean, we're, we're running into some, you know, with everything with like supply chain issues right now with my printer, but ideally I will be able to uh, launch this online the same day, which is October 23rd, Saturday, October 23rd uh, hmm. for people to be able to order uh, on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Now, how do they do that? Where online do they go? Uh, I will have, uh, again, everything. I may have to update this. I really hope I don't have to. I I hope I don't have to push it back. But uh, I will have a link to it on my website, which is amiculousrome.com. And I always have to spell this because I always create names that no one can spell. Uh, (laughs) My the website is a m i c u l u s r o m e dot com amiculousrome dot com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. And there's a good reason why it's called that because yeah. one of your previous works was called Amiculous. That's yeah. good. And a great that was a great story too. I really enjoyed that. And also, what well, have you told that story? Is is Amiculous pretty much in in the bag now? 
I do have other uh, stories, story arcs that I want to do with the character. I'm actually working on one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I am eager to do more, you know, first run. I, I, I want to do more part ones, I guess, before I start working on part twos, because I feel like I'm still building an audience a little bit for part one of Amiculous. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but this is a, it's another story arc that's sort of dependent on Amiculous, uh, sort of a prequel, if you will, mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. I know people hate those terms, but uh, it does take place immediately prior to uh, it does take place. Parts of it do take place immediately prior to the events in Amiculous. Mm. Very good. Very good. Because I really enjoyed that book. That was a book that that, that was the first thing of yours that I got to read. And I really enjoyed that. That was was great, great stuff. Well, uh, as far as like uh, Sugar Creek and stuff like that, too, that was another great book. That was a horror, sort of a modern time horror yep. book. Very different from Amiculous, but on, on some levels, it had some of that tension to it that Amiculous was so good at. Um, as Sugar Creek, is that uh, what's the future of Sugar Creek? Well, uh, I have been spending the last two years uh, doing uh, a blog series on my uh, on my website, which people can read for free, uh, called Legends of Sugar Creek, mm-hmm. which is it's done as a series of once again journal entries <laughs> mm-hmm. from one of the characters in Sugar Creek as he is discovering. Well, I mean, the disturbance in Sugar Creek is. Uh, if I'm, if, if I I feel like I have to pitch sugar Creek all over again to make sense of this, uh, this, uh, sugar Creek is premised on the idea that if you subject a physical place repeatedly to violence over tens of thousands of years, then it will become self-aware and predatory. And then you build a town on top that doesn't know it's there until one extraordinarily bad day. Uh, the legend of sugar Creek is, a, is from one character's perspective as he's learning about this entity and it runs from a couple of years prior to the day, right up to the day before that happens. So it's his attempt to learn about the creature and then eventually try to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. Really gripping. Uh, I, I couldn't put it down. It's really something <laughs> special. Really, really good. So um, are, are these the things that are, are keeping you busy these days or other books that you're working on? Uh, I regret that I haven't had a lot of time to write while I've been, I mean, I've been trying to get uh, in Noctum up on its feet. Uh, mm-hmm. That's uh, practically a full-time job itself. <laughs> uh, I am eager to go back to uh, working on uh, a new project. Uh, I haven't really decided which one I want to pursue, whether it's a brand new project or, or whether I want to, you know, delve back into some of the sequel work I'm doing with Amiculous or maybe even with Sugar Creek. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, if somebody wants to keep up with what you're doing, uh, how do they follow you on social media? Uh, well, uh, I am on, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Travis Horseman uh, on Twitter and Instagram and uh, either and Amiculous Books on uh, Facebook. And I guess that's how we keep track of where you're uh, making appearances and stuff, too. Indeed. Yes. Okay, very good. Because it's, it's going to be great stuff. It's. Uh, I hear good things about that Pittsburgh convention. So I'm. I, I haven't gotten there yet, and I don't think I'm going to make it this year. I do want to tell you that uh, this is actually the second time they're doing uh, Three Rivers Comic Con is doing a show this year. They actually originally did one back in May. Mm. Uh, that was my first 
that was my first show of the year. And it's, I mention it because that show was the place where I got the idea. Okay. I want to do this show again in the fall when they do it in the fall. And I want to bring something new to it. I decided at that show that I was going to, to do in Noctum and bring it uh, back in the fall. And that is the shortest amount of time from like beginning to end. That is the fastest I have ever pulled a book together. Wow. And it looks like I'm just going to make it too. Wow. Well, that's great. Cause wow. It's as, as those of us know who know how long it takes to put a comic together. That's fast. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. Wow. Right. So when the, when the inspiration hits, you gotta, when a bug bites, you go for it. Yep. Very, very good. Very good. Cause it's just great stuff. Cause you know, I, I could not put the book down there. So I, you know, see, one of the things I really love is a good ending. Mm-hmm. a surprise at the end and so many books never get that surprise you just kind of endlessly go on and on and on this has that big surprise at the end <laughs> yeah, I, that, i'm not going to say anything <laughs> i love a you know like, like me and m night you know we love a twist ending right that's right well that's good <laughs> i wish more people did because unfortunately a lot of people don't you know i i, I always worry about x-men because you know for decades people have been reading x-men and it never ends it just yeah. continues on and i i don't like that i want something that actually comes to an end yeah so for me I, that's one of the reasons i like your writing because you do actually get somewhere and to me that's a great thing i i wow i i, I wish i could get more people to read your stuff and say hey there's an, an ending is a good thing well we're working on that yeah, I'd like to see that. So, <laughs> so is there anything else that you're working on, Travis, as far as uh, uh, other things that you're up to? Uh, well, um, I mean, uh, I I typically like to work on one project at a time. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I always have ideas that I'm writing down and like just sort of piecemealing every so often. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess that um, – I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to say anything because I've, you know, I've promised things before and then oh. I get distracted and uh, work on something else or, it, yeah. you know, it just, it, it you know, just, it, it, it doesn't move forward the way I want to. So I, I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to play it coy a little bit this time if I may. Okay. So stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, there'll be good things coming stuff. Well, Travis, as always, it's a wonderful stuff. And it, how do you pronounce the book's name again? In Noctum. Okay. In Noctum. Sure I butcher people's names and I butcher Latin as well. And so I, you're the one to say that and get it right. So I, it's it's a great book. I just highly recommend you get to it and, and, and read it because it's a great, great book. It's actually like 40 pages long. So it's longer than an average comic too, which I, I always love a good long story. <laughs> it's hard for me to write short. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I really like that. So I, I, I think it's just a wonderful thing. So Travis, all I can do is encourage you to keep it up. And when this comes out, you will be in Pittsburgh yes. on that Sunday. So that will be a good thing. So if you hear this and you've got a chance, you be sure to get to that convention before it closes and get a chance to see Travis. Do you know which booth you're going to be at? Uh, I believe, well, it's an outdoor show, so it's mm-hmm. tented, but uh, my table is J39, okay. I think. Okay. Uh, they're going to have a, they, they have a, um, well, they have it all laid out on their website, uh, who's going to be at what table there. So you can, you should check that out at uh, 
threeriverscomiccon.com. Okay, sounds great. Right. I'm kind of glad the conventions are starting to rise up again because because uh, New York actually went was pretty successful, and there's yeah. other ones going on too. I was used to these little small ones that were going on in Florida where I am. Yeah, and I was I was worried that that was all we were going to have for a long time. But then New York kind of <laughs> instead of putting their toe in the water, put their whole foot in the water for that, and it apparently did very well. I saw pictures of everybody. Of course, a lot of people wearing masks, and you do social distancing when you can. But I know a lot of people went there and sold out of everything they took with them to sell. I regret I haven't made it to New York Comic Con yet. Always, always a goal. I, that's my favorite. Yeah my favorite so many things going on there i never get to everything but there's a lot of wonderful stuff going on of course san diego is coming up and weirdly on thanksgiving weekend i i, I i'm not sure how that's gonna go yeah we'll see how that happens but you know what if it helps in 2022 when things start to percolate up and things start to happen i'm all for that and i know a lot of people who could not wait to get back behind the table and start selling yeah. again yeah, I've been, I, I've, I've really, uh, I've tried to do as many shows as I could this year. Mm -hmm. Really good. So I think it's going to be great. So, well, Travis, just keep it up. And I can't wait to read your next stuff when it comes out. We'll have to talk again when you got the next project that has uh, come to fruition because it's always great. I, I, I get the chance to read a little ahead of time, which I always enjoy because this book really got me. I, I won't forget this book in a long time. <laughs> really well done really super so Travis keep it up and do this keep this wonderful writing up because it's just terrific I, I really enjoy it it's unlike anything else anybody's doing so I just all I want to do is encourage you to keep doing it well thank you Wayne I appreciate it people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne as a man from flesh and blood I can be ignored I can be destroyed but as a symbol Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.